<laughs> Howdy, folks. I couldn't pass that up when I saw that. I had to use it at the beginning of this podcast. Hope it gave you a little chuckle. This is Brian Yeager. This is the Words of Truth from the Scriptures podcast. And today, we're going to talk about an instruction in the New Testament. Be at peace among yourselves. When Jesus was near the end of his physical life, he was talking to his apostles, and he told them what they would find in this world in contrast to what they find in him. In John 16, 33, he said to them, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, the tribulation that the apostles were going to face and did face was for the sake of the gospel in many ways. In 2 Timothy 2, 8 and 9, that's 2 Timothy 2, 8 and 9, Paul says to Timothy, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. For the sake of the gospel, they suffered. But in general, whether it was before Jesus came on earth or during the lives of the apostles and first century Christians, or today, just in general, living in this world is no cakewalk. When we look at the scriptures, and it should be obvious to you, you shouldn't even need the Bible to tell you this, but we'll put some scriptures to it. In Psalm 49 and verse 10, says, For he seeth that wise men die, likewise the fool and the brutish person perish, and leave their wealth to others. We work, we put forth effort to support ourselves, our families, take care of people that we can help in various different ways. And all that we do, no matter how much we accumulate in earthly possessions, when you leave this world, it stays behind. And Ecclesiastes 1.14, Solomon said, I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. What, what's your work in this world, right? Why, why do you have to go to work every day that you go to work? Why do you have to do things? It's like nothing is ever final and complete, right? Even when you think about purchases that we make, you, you go out and you buy your brand new quote-unquote dream house, and a little bit of time goes by, and you're thinking, I've got a new house, nothing can go wrong. Well, something's going to go wrong. Things break, or maintenance is required. Expenses occur, and you begin to realize that nothing stays brand new. You bought your brand new vehicle. You drive it off the lot, you're driving, you're going to your brand new house, all is good, you're in a new area, new construction, you get up in the morning, you got a flat tire, you go to the tire shop, you say, hey, I need a tire repair, it's in the trunk or the back or whatever, can you take off my spare and put it back for me when you repair the tire? Guy comes to you about 45 minutes later, depending where you're at, how busy they are, he says to you, hey, I'm sorry to tell you, that nail is in the sidewall 
of your tire. And you say, oh, I, I, that's okay. Well, no, you can't repair sidewall of tire. It's too much pressure and blow out, whether you plug it, patch it, or plug and patch it. Then you need a new tire. Here's your brand new vehicle. Needs a new tire. But then it dawns on you when the guy says it's a roofing nail that this probably came from the neighborhood where you got your brand new house. And it's probably not going to be the last time your tire encounters a nail. And you're wondering, what am I going to do from here? My brand new tire just got a hole in it. My brand new car has its first repair. You think you got everything lined up financially. You get that taken care of. You tell the tire place, you know what? I want to buy your road hazard warranty. And can you do it? You know, discount tire will let you do it on, on, on tires you didn't buy from them uh, when you have a brand new vehicle. Now you do that, you think, I'm safe. I'm good. Now, if I got another roofing nail or whatever in my tire, I come to discount tire, they repair it or replace it. It'll be covered under road hazard warranty. You get home, you walk in the house, everything is fine. You're whistling Dixie and having a good old time about yourself. You're thinking about listening to the words of truth from the scriptures podcast. And you're walking through your living room and you turn a little way and you throw out your back. Off to the doctor you go. Another expense. Eh, maybe not everybody faces days like that. But if you're old enough, you've probably had days like that. And maybe a lot worse. Well, why? Because that's physical life in this world. That's why Solomon said all is vanity and vexation of spirit. In Ecclesiastes 9, 11, and 12, he says, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. For man also knoweth not his time, as the fishes that are taken in evil net, and as the birds that are caught in a snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time when it falleth suddenly upon them. Folks, things happen. It doesn't matter if you're strong, if you're wise, if you're wealthy. Time and chance happens to us all. That's why life is vanity and vexation of spirit. You cannot control time and space. I'm a football fan. Are you a football fan? Maybe you are, maybe you're not. But even if you aren't, you probably heard of this guy named Aaron Rodgers, real good quarterback in the National Football League. I'm not a fan. Well, he just signed with his new team. He comes out, and I think it was just a few plays into the first game of the season. Total break of his Achilles tendon. I've had that injury. I had that injury years ago. Still not good. Now, he had great surgery and all these different things, but you know what happened to this wealthy, in-shape, healthy man? Time and chance. It's inescapable. In Mark chapter 5, verses 25 and 26, says a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered but grew worse. Jesus in the context heals her. Notice what this woman did. She had a physical health issue and she spent all of her money on the doctors. Nothing 
Nothing came of it. She got worse. That's, that's like life still today in this world, right? You can go for treatments. You can go for procedures. You can go through all these different things. The expenses keep in, just adding up and adding up and adding up and adding up. Oh. Are you getting wore down yet by all these things I'm presenting? I'm getting worn down presenting them. The Bible also says in 2 Timothy 3.13 that I'm going to jump off this horse. You know what? Because I'm tired of riding it. But the, the, the verse says, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Go, folks, just face it. Life in this world is full of trouble. And I could throw more and more scriptures and more and more applications. But you know that. Sometimes people try to ignore it. Sometimes they try to pretend that it's not the truth. But we know that. We're talking about peace. It's not to be found in this world, nor is peace the way the world thinks about it. In John 14, 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. Give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I want you to think about what Jesus said and why he said it the way that he said it. Peace is not going to be found in this world. You know, earlier when I was talking about the brand new house, the brand new car, warranties, all these different things, and then you come to realize you can't cover it all. No matter what warranty you have, you know what? There's some subclause in there. There's some, some way that the warranty company is going to get out of that. My brother in Christ up in Maryland, and I just talked about this a few weeks back. Uh, both of us have a, a home warranty uh company that we do business with called Choice Home Warranty. Let me suggest that you don't do this. Uh, we both bought this warranty, but you know what? There's clauses in their warranties. They can get out of repairing things by just saying you haven't done the right maintenance or you haven't done. Now, they don't tell you all that when you purchase the warranty, but you think in your mind, I'm doing all that I can to protect my investments. I'm doing all that I can to help provide for my family and, and it may be a wise decision to some degree, but no matter what it is in this world, it's still vanity. It's temporary. It's worldly. And the whole world lieth in wickedness, 1 John 5, 19. This world will not offer us peace. Peace in the sense of peace of mind or peace in the sense of away from aggression and so forth and so on. The world just doesn't offer it. The peace that Jesus gives is all abounding. It encompasses everything, physical, spiritual, mental. And we're going to talk about that in this lesson. You know, when, when you think about how John 14 begins, because I, I, I brought up to you John 14, 27, but John 14 begins, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. He's talking to his disciples. And he said, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive into myself that where I am, there you may be also. This, this, these three verses start off with, let not your heart be troubled. Why is that? Because no matter what falls apart in this world, no matter what happens in this world, here's the reality. Listen, if, you don't, if you're a person that doesn't like to face reality, you need to face it. To find the peace that exists in Jesus Christ, you cannot be a glass half full person. You have to be a realist. You have to realize that things physical in this world will never be 
quote unquote perfect. You won't have perfect peace, okay? It's just not possible. If you want perfect peace, you have to be able to set your mind on what is beyond this world. Or else you're just lying to yourself and setting yourself up for mental, physical, and spiritual failure, which we're going to talk about as we go through this podcast. Like I said, the world is wicked. 1 John 5, 19. Okay? Peace in this world is fake. In Psalm 28, 3, Psalmist says, Draw me not away with the wicked and the workers of iniquity, which speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief is in their hearts. That's what you need to realize about this world. The world's not out there to help you. They're out for themselves. Unless somebody start to think, but Jesus is going to have something to do with this. Jesus didn't come into this world to give carnal peace. Listen to what he said in Luke 12, 51. Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth, I tell ye nay, but rather division. Why is that? Because he is the light and the world is darkness and they are separate from one another. Light exposes darkness. Therefore, the darkness hates the light. John 3, 19 through 21. The world hated Jesus because he exposed the darkness therein. But what I want you to think about is something that we're going to lean into with the direction of this lesson. Is something that is in this world. So that you don't just have to only look forward to eternal life, but something else. There are people in this world that will help you accomplish some degree of peace. Those people are God's people. Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the children of God. This, folks, this is going to be the highlight of what we're going to talk about today. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 13 is where our uh, title of the podcast comes from. But I want you to just hear verses 11 through 14. It says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which are labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, Warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, be enduring towards, towards all men is the idea. So you're in this world, and your builder lied to you, the automaker auto lied to you, even the tire person hasn't held up their end of the bargain, and the roofer just seems to jump, dump nails at the end of your driveway every day. And your health problem isn't being resolved. I know that sounds disastrous. You want to know something that I, I don't need the Bible to tell me this because I've seen it. We are going to use the scriptures. We're not just going to believe the testimony of Brian, but, but I've seen it. I've participated in it in the giving and the receiving end of it. When you are part of a faithful congregation of God's people, and it is time for the saints to assemble. You get to walk away from all these disasters. And for those moments, be at peace. 
It is wonderful. It is a taste of heaven on earth. Why is that? Because God's people work to that end. In Romans 14, it's talking about authorized liberties in the context. You know, you had people that were converted, converted. Well, here we go. See, see why we're at peace uh, when you're among brethren? Because if you were here in El Paso with the brethren here, you get to hear me in Bible classes and sermons make up words all the time, like converted. It's just hilarious. I mean, people sometimes just start laughing before I talk because they know I'm about to invent a word, converted. <laughs> well, what is that? I don't know. When you're among the converted saints and you look at Romans 14, there are Jews who are converted from the law of Moses into Christ. And you think about what that meant. That meant they were taught under the law of Moses, you can't eat certain things. But in Christ, 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving and prayer. So, these Jews had a difficult time because they had been taught all their lives the truth in the law of Moses. It wasn't a false doctrine. It was the truth to abstain from certain meats. You see Peter in Acts 10, you know, the Lord gives him a vision and says, arise, Peter, and eat. And Peter's repulsed by the idea, even though the Lord's presenting it to him in that vision, no unclean thing has touched my lips. That's how strong convictions that they had. And... They're converted and they're joining the fellowship of Gentiles and Gentiles were willing to eat anything. They'd never been taught otherwise. They eat all kinds of meats, the camels and other things that were considered unclean under the law of Moses. Well, how do these people come together and be unified as one? Well, the Gentiles had to give space to their Jewish brethren and give them time not to be weak in conscience, weak in scruples. Romans 14, 1 through 15, 9 is kind of the context there, 15, 7-ish. Um, and let them have time to, to learn that they could eat all things and receive them, but not push on them that it's okay to eat these things. Let, let them have an overbearing conscience and be at peace. In that context, and other things are addressed too, but, but that's just to simplify the context. Romans 14, 19 says, "...let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace." and the things wherewith one may edify another. When you're among faithful Christians, they're working at being at peace because peace and unity take work. There's going to be two words that you're about to hear and what I'm about to read. Number one is forbearing, which means to put up with, to bear with, to endure, to suffer. Sometimes being among brethren, you have to be forbearing. You have to put up with some things. And, and, the Romans 14 is, is one of that, but then there's just generalizations. You know, every once in a while, you can annoy somebody. There are things, mannerisms, and other things in life that aren't sinful at all that just might be annoying to other people. And sometimes you have brethren that are just highly irritable, and sometimes it's on occasion. Sometimes it's a regular basis. Some people have less tolerance than others. The beauty about it, though, is when you're among faithful brethren, even if they're highly irritable, they're going to work with you towards peace. They care about peace. The other word that you're going to hear that needs to stand out to you is in, in Ephesians 4, when, when we read this, the word endeavoring, which means to make effort, 
to be prompt or earnest, to do diligence, to, to endeavor, labor, labor, to study. So I want you to hear these verses, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, this is Paul writing to the Ephesian congregation in Ephesus, beseech ye that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering. Now here's the first word, forbearing one another in love. Here's our second word, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. A faithful congregation of God's people are going to be tolerant, not of sin, not of false doctrine, never, not for a moment, not giving space by subjection for an hour, Galatians 2, 1 through 5, never allowing there to be division, but speaking the same mind, being the same judgment, 1 Corinthians 1, 10. But in these areas of liberty or in areas where there may be personal irritants, they're going to be forbearing. They're going to endeavor. They're going to put forth the effort. They're going to labor at, put in the work to be at peace and unity. Because that's the expectation of God, to be at peace among yourselves. We, uh, back on, on the 17th here in uh, El Paso, not this Sunday, but the previous we were studying from 1 John 3.15 where, where it says, Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. And the idea of hateth there is to detest. And in our classes here, one of, the, one of the things that I love that we've grown into as a congregation is we talk about the applications. So I was asking questions to the brethren and one of the sisters brought up something that we kind of used as an ongoing illustration. What, what if you're sitting, and, and we assemble in a home here, and we, we kind of sit close, pretty close together. So if you do something annoying, <laughs> people are going to see it. They're going to hear it. Uh, there, there's no hiding place. Uh, it's not like you can sit in the quote-unquote back row because the back row is still in the same room. There is areas where there's a little bit more space, but you're still within earshot and sight of, of the majority of the brethren. And there's no sitting all the way in the front so that you don't hear and see things going on in the back either because you're still going to hear it, still going to see it. So one of the illustrations brought up is somebody that smacks gum. Uh, my sister Sheila brought it up, you know, chewing, you know, that kind of stuff. Is that annoying to you? Would that annoy, would that annoy you? Okay. Uh, it might annoy quite a few people, right? Imagine sitting next to somebody in pretty close quarters and hear, right? You're in Bible study. You're talking about 1 John 3, nom, 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 nom. <laughs> so it could get pretty annoying. I know I'm doing it so that it, I hope it's funny to you. Uh, it's funny to me. Um, I can't get it out of my head. I've been laughing ever since we talked about it, uh, thinking about the, the process, like who, who would do that? Well, uh, so we're talking about how annoying that could be, but we worked through this, um, Let's say, for example, that person has an, an inner ear problem. Maybe uh, here recently, I know I can speak to this, uh, where I've had a lot of allergy issues. This time of year, I tend to have allergy issues. And sometimes one of my ears just completely clogged up. And it, it's just buzzing. It's so annoying. It drives me nuts. And, and sometimes I'll go grab a stick of gum and chew on it. And when I'm chewing on it, I'm, 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 I'm okay, maybe not that loud, but I'm, I'm munching. 
I'm munching on it, right? Well, you know what? Um, as we talked it through, people thought, you know, there's, there's generally more to something than what you immediately see. Well, of course. You know, Jesus taught us, judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment, John 7, 24. Here's the fact. If you're among faithful Christians, somebody's not chomping on gum trying to annoy you. They're not. They're not out there saying, I can't wait to annoy my brother or sister in Christ. Maybe there's a reason. And you have to measure, is it worth talking to them about, or can I just put up with it? Well, forbearance is putting up with it. It may be annoying to you, but put up with it. And we talked about different levels and different reasons and how this might be a certain brother that you could talk to or a certain sister that you could talk to, or it may be somebody that you could easily offend. Be at peace among yourselves is about putting forth the thought about what my actions might generate. And by the way, if you look at Romans 14, 1 through 15, 7, or 1 Corinthians 8, 1 through 13, or 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 23 through, through 33, if you're the stronger brother or sister in the congregation, you are the one that forbears. You are the one that will put up with the most annoying things for peace and harmony among the saints. If you're the person that has to make an issue out of everything, scripturally, that identifies you as the weaker. Now, if you're going to be the person that's bothered by everything, you have to accept that label. And then your brethren, knowing that you're the weaker brother or weaker sister, are going to be that much the more enduring with you, forbearing with you, endeavoring, putting forth the work to be at peace and harmony with you. Here's the beauty of this. That's what you can expect out of your brothers and sisters in Christ. You're not going to find that in the workplace. You're not going to find that in your physical families. You are going to find that among faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Because let's face it, we all do annoying things. And they may be more or less annoying to some people than, than to others. But we do annoying things. There's something you do that if you're around somebody long enough, it's going to annoy them. Your brethren, these are people that are going to spend eternity with you. You know what we do here on earth? We learn to live with each other. So that when we're, when we're standing before the judgment seat of Christ, our Lord knows that we can come into his Father's house and not bring bickering and division. There's already been division in heaven. Satan and his angels... Revelation 12, 7 through 9, our Lord's not going to have, let, have that happen again. He's looking at how Christians are at peace among themselves here on earth or not. Think about that. Think about that. Peace requires the usage of godly wisdom. In James 3, 13 through 18, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and of good fruits, 
without partiality, without hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So let's think about godly wisdom. In that conversation I was talking about among the saints here in El Paso, one of our brothers brought up a really good point, Paul Lovett, who's going to be in, uh, I think, the November podcast, uh, the first Thursday podcast. He, he made a really good point. It showed godly wisdom. He, he, he talked about the redirection of the mind, and others kind of piggyback some points on this too. You know, we're, we're to redirect our minds in different things, uh, to think about things that are good and peaceable, etc., to get away from things like anxiety. Philippians 4, 6-8 teaches that. Um, and he brought up that point in this application. He said, instead of focusing on what your brother or sister in Christ is doing that's irritating you, be thankful that they're with you. What brought about his comment is I brought up this illustration. I said, what if you're so annoyed by a brother or sister in Christ that that brother or sister in Christ is ill and they're going to miss the assembly for the next week or two and they're not there and what if you say, whew, man, I'm glad he or she is going to be gone today. I don't have to put up with them for this week or two weeks that they're going to be out. How terrible is that? Have you thought about that? You're looking forward to not being among your brethren. Now, I want you to stand before the judgment seat of Christ in your mind. And I want you to think about looking at Jesus and saying, Lord, I just hope you won't let him in because he annoys me or her in because she annoys me. What do you think Jesus is going to say to you? Hmm. I don't think you need that explained, do you? Right? I don't think you need that explained. So Paul brought up, hey, you know what? Think about how thankful you are for them, that this is your brother or sister in Christ. Sure. But if you constantly complain about them, let's say you walk away from the assembly of the saints and you get in the vehicle and you talk to your spouse or whoever's riding with you and you're, you're talking about, oh man, can you believe that chomping today? Did you hear that? Chomp, 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 right? Week after week, what do you think is going to happen as you gripe about it over and over and over? It's not only going to stay on your mind, it's just going to irritate you more and more and irritate you more and more. Now, I want, want you to play this out. What happens when you address it? And the sole reason you're addressing it is it's irritating. How are you going to feel when that person looks at you and says, you know what? Unless I keep popping my jaw, I can't hear. I'm so sorry. I hate that I've annoyed you. I'll go sit all the way over here. Now, this brother or sister in Christ goes and separates themselves and sits afar off now because they feel like they're a distraction. Cash, you seriously, is that worth it? If to you it's worth it, you're going to go to hell. You really are. Because the command of God is be at peace among yourselves. That's not peace. You've got this person who genuinely has an issue, and they're trying their best to deal with it. And they're so sorry that they irritated you. I want you to think about that. The reason they're sitting way over here is because they irritated you. You know what that means? You're a selfish person. See, you're not going to find that among true Christians. Among true Christians, there's going to be godly wisdom. I'm thankful for you more than I'm irritated by you. Now, to have that godly wisdom, you're going to have to pursue it. 
Proverbs 4, 5 through 7, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Christians are going to be people that are pursuing wisdom, and they're going to grow and grow stronger and stronger and stronger. And that this doesn't mean stronger and stronger in knowledge. Yes, that's part of it, 2 Peter 3.18. But in wisdom, in the usage of that knowledge, with understanding. Because true peace will not come from worldly wisdom. That's, that's, just, that's just not going to happen. Now, I want to again make a clarification. I'm not saying that peace comes through sinful compromise or being so loose that you accept everything. Involved with peace, 2 Corinthians 13, 11, finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. Well, how are we going to be of one mind? By walking according to the same rule, Philippians 3, 16. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Being at peace, being unified is by walking by the same rule. So this, this isn't just, I'm just going to tolerate anything anybody says and does. There's things that can't be tolerated. What we're talking about, what can be. There are compromises, even when it comes to lawful liberties. There's compromises that you can't make. Remember, Romans 14 starts off with, in, in the first few verses, him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that him eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. Let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. If they're in fellowship with God, which means they're walking in the light, 1 John 1, 1 through 7, there's no darkness in them. If they're in fellowship with God, you tolerate them which means they're not doing anything sinful. They're not bringing about anything false. But if they're not lockstep with the Lord, you can't tolerate anything. And you can't allow that to bring about division. The mindset, if you were to read in Romans 14 and go into chapter 15, beginning at verse 1 says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. See, it's about being unselfish. Let every one of us Please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. We be at peace through lawful compromise when it comes to personal preference. Personal preference. So that brings about the questions, right? Among Christians, you're going to find peace seekers. And 1 Peter 3, 8 through 11, finally, be all of all one mind. Again, we just addressed, how do you do that? Walk by the same rule. Having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, which is a love the world doesn't know, folks. The text goes on, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarize blessing, knowing that there unto you are called, that you should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. And his lips that they speak no guile, let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. So you're assembling with a congregation, whether it's 
five people or 10 people or 50 people or whatever, that number of people needs to be full of peace seekers. People that are looking for it. People that will embrace it. I think the language is interesting. In Colossians 3, 12 through 15, it says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing, again, that same instruction that we talked about in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so do ye. Just remember, if there is a sin you got to make sure that they've received forgiveness of God. If it is personal against you, you've got some liberty there. Um, but when there is a transgression of the law, repentance needs to occur, and that's the pattern laid forth there. It says, And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Think about that language. And let, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you are called in one body, and be thankful. So where's peace? It's in the body. If you let the peace of God rule in your hearts. There are those out there that just don't want peace. And they might come into the assembly and want to cause strife. Be at peace. If you're among peace seekers, you, you essentially have people that are going to trip over each other, not to cause offense. That is a great congregation to be among. So the question is, are you a peace seeker? Do you want to be among people that strive for peace? In Romans 8, 6, it says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So what's that tell you about people that bring about division, that bring about strife? They're carnally minded. They don't want peace. So a lot of times when we talk about sound congregations, we have to talk about what's taught. We talk about what's practiced. We generally don't get as far as to talk about this subject matter because you typically get to see that there are congregations that aren't teaching the truth and practicing the truth and you know that they're not sound. When we get this far into the discussion, we have to ask, is this congregation sound not only based upon what they teach and practice, but is there instability? Is there disturbance? Is there chaos? Is there a lack of peace? Because if there is, that congregation is not of the Lord. Think about this. In 1 Corinthians 14, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Is there peace there? Or is there constant problems? Why aren't they dealing with them? Why isn't something being done, right? I mean, some congregations are going to have to withdraw from the disorderly, 2 Thessalonians 3, 6, so there can be peace. See, that's, that's where tolerance can't happen, right? But beyond all of those conversations, don't, don't mistake what I'm saying as saying it's all right to compromise against the Scriptures, but beyond standing for the truth and being faithful for the truth, what about getting to the point where brethren are compromising for the greater good? Where they're putting up with the lip-smacking gum chewer. What about that? This person that could be irritating several people 
all of them, apart from one another, because you're not talking to other people about a problem you have with someone, right? Because the moment I have a problem with the lip-smacking, gum-chewing person, and I go to somebody else about it, I'm not, I'm not seeking peace. I'm now getting that person involved in what I have a problem with. That's not peace-seeking. So, but what if there are three or four people independent of each other that all get irritated by the lip smacker. You know what those three or four people ought to be doing if they're peace seekers? Nothing. They ought to be doing nothing. Maybe if somebody's got to move, they move. But they ought to be thankful that this person is there. You don't need to know why they're chewing their gum that way. Now, somebody say maybe their mother didn't teach them manners. Well, maybe they didn't. You know what? They're not going to go to hell for that. They're not going to go to hell because they chew with their mouth open. I taught my children to chew with their mouth closed. I taught them to have certain types of manners. That was me and my household. You know what I don't have the right to do? Go and tell somebody else in their household to do that. Might it annoy me? Might. But if it's not going to cost them their soul, why am I going to do something that might? What if I make them feel so ashamed? And what, what if I ask them, why are you chewing your gum so loud? What if I put it that way? Didn't your mother teach you not to do that? <laughs> Can you just imagine how many ways that could go sideways? What if that person walks away from the Lord's people? Because they're so ashamed that they don't have the manners, everyone else. And they sit back and think, have you been thinking about me like this the whole time? And you might say, well, that's on them that they walked away. Yeah, it is on them that they walked away. But what about what you did? Did you really have to do that? Well, the reason you did it is because you're selfish. You're the one that doesn't have the manners that God wants you to have. That's it. That's it. I, I know the example might be extreme, but there have been divisions in congregations over far less, over stupid things. Nothing that has to do anything with the salvation of the soul. Come on, folks. God's people, sound congregations, are super strong against sin. They take stands that make the earth shake against sin, against all manner of it, false doctrines and everything else that comes in. But on the other hand, they are the most compromising people you will find when it comes to liberties. Hmm. I love it. I love that I assemble with people like that. People that I can irritate and not, not have to worry about. Not that I'm seeking to irritate them, but I'm sure I'd do something at some point in time that irritates somebody. You know what I love about it? I'm not going to hear about it. They're not even going to tell me about it. They're going to laugh it off. I want to be clear. Christians serve the God of peace. Romans 15, 33, the God of peace be with you all. Hebrews 13, 20, now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. You know what? I, I, I want to share this with you. 
if you know me or if you've been listening, you know, I've only been doing this podcast now for, I, I don't know, since December of uh, 2022. But I have years and years of audio sermons on my website. I've been putting audio sermons on my website. I don't have the full files going back as far as I've been doing it, but I think maybe 2004 or something like that, I started putting up audio sermons. I know some of you listening to this podcast have been listening to me preach at least that long. Thankful for that. If you've been listening to me at any length or you've read some of the articles I wrote, you know that you know I've got a daughter that's on the autism spectrum. She's on the extreme end. She's been labeled as mentally retarded. You know that she's an adult. You know that she's uh, in her mid-20s. She assembles with the brethren. She's not a Christian. And this is what I love about my brothers and sisters in Christ. My daughter makes noise. And, and if you go back and you listen to recorded sermons that I used to do live, you'll hear her. She makes noise almost the whole time we assemble. So for here, us here in El Paso, that's from 10 a.m. to 2.30 or so in the afternoon, 2, 2.30 in the afternoon. She makes noise, sometimes constantly, the uh, noises and ripping paper out of her notebook and different things like that. It annoys me. I know that it has to be annoying to my brothers and sisters in Christ. It annoys me. I've never heard anybody in the congregation here in El Paso say to my wife or myself or to Taylor anything about it. I love them so dearly for that. I know it's annoying. I hate that she makes those noises. I love that my brothers and sisters in Christ put up with it. I just love it. I've been in places in the past where people did say things to us. It made us very uncomfortable. It made us feel very bad. Um, there was a time where I was visiting a place and I was preaching many years ago in Ohio, and my daughter threw something, and, and we never know what she's going to do. That's just it. We just never know. She can have a meltdown at some point. We don't know what she's going to do. And she threw something, and my wife and I both got to hear about it from somebody there. Let me tell you what, I'll never go back there. I, I, they weren't sound anyway. I, I preached on some things there, and we found out that they weren't, they weren't faithful to the doctrine of Christ anyway. So no surprise that this happened. But even if they repented of their false doctrines and everything, I still wouldn't want to go back there. They made us feel extremely uncomfortable being in that assembly. And I wasn't a weak Christian then. I'm not that now. But I hated that my daughter made it what seemed to be impossible for those people to quote-unquote worship. That's the way I felt. I hated that. I hated that I put them out. Because that's the way we feel as Christians, right? We don't want to put our brethren out. We don't want to make them uncomfortable. A sound congregation, you're not going to know. You're just going to assume. I just assume that Taylor's annoying to people. What I figure is they've learned to set it aside over time. If you can put up with my daughter's noises, I'm so thankful for that. Just so thankful for that. I don't know how many places on earth that would allow my daughter to sit, especially in close quarters, and do her movements and everything else. There are people that sit in front of her, people that sit uh, behind her. You know, I, I'm visualizing Jalen and Sheila and Nicole and Calvin Jr. and Becca who sits uh, right next to her. Uh, and, 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 you know, the winders who sit uh, behind us and, 
And, and I'm just so thankful that none of my brothers or sisters in Christ have ever had that problem. Listen, if you're not listening to the Lord, my words aren't going to mean anything to you. But I'm telling you, it means a lot to be among people that seek for peace. Again, a clarity. Light and darkness can't coexist. You can't seek peace so much that you compromise. I mean, the words of Jesus again. Luke 12, 51 through 53, just to bring this into context a little bit more. Suppose ye that I'm come to give peace on earth, I tell you nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two and two against three. The father should be divided against the son, the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. There's going to be division on earth because you stand for the truth. But among God's people, those are the people of the truth. No division. I want to transition a little bit, and I want to talk about mental health and the benefit of peace in mental health. When I started off this lesson, I was talking about how there's tribulation in this world. Not just the physical that you face because of the gospel like the apostles did, but we went through the vanity of life, time and chance. We, took, we talked about physical illnesses. I gave that illustration about the new house, the new vehicle, the nail in the tire, all these things. Some people have faced similar, some have faced worse, some have faced less, but you face something. I want you to talk, I want to talk about, and I want you to think about this in relation to a sound congregation of God's people and the contribution it has towards mental health. In Proverbs 18, 14, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. It matters, folks. Mental health matters. For your soul, for your spirit, Proverbs 15, 13 says, A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. You can be broken by things like sorrow. For your physical health, Proverbs 17, 22, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. So where do I find peace? In the Lord. I find it in the Lord and among His people. Isaiah 26, 3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in me. Romans 5.1 Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's all looking forward, right? But the lesson that we're talking about from 1 Thessalonians 5.13, be at peace among yourself. Be among the right people. Faithful children of God. Like Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.22, flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, Charity, peace, notice, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Where do I, I seek after peace? With them that call on the Lord without, with a pure heart. Ladies and gentlemen, this world is not going to make you feel better. Folks, you're just going to find problems. But among God's people, peace among yourselves. People that are going to trip over one another. If you've never seen that, you need to come here. You need to come visit and then move on out. You love it where, where people want, desire strongly to be at peace, where they love come together on the first day of the week knowing that if there is a problem, we're going to address it. We're going to address it immediately. We're going to use the scriptures as the standard, and we're going to get back to peace very, very quickly but we've rarely had problems because the type of people that are here, peace seekers. 
The psalmist in Psalm 34, 14, depart from evil, do good, seek peace, and pursue it. Why does that sound familiar? Because we talked about it in 1 Peter 3, 10, and 11 earlier. God's people seek for peace. And because of that, are found at peace among ourselves. That, in addition to being faithful to the scriptures, not sinning, teaching and practicing the truth, that make God's people sound, whole, complete, because they are at peace. Because it is the closest to thing to heaven on earth is assembling with the saints. Folks, it still exists. It still exists. And not just here in El Paso, not just here, but it still exists. The church founded by Jesus is the church of peace. Find it. Find it. Because walking away from the problems in this world to be among people that are at peace is wonderful. It's the best day of every week. And it happens at least every first day of the week. Acts 20, verse 7, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. I want you to think about the instruction about not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. That's in Hebrews 10, 25. And it goes on to say, so much the more as you see the day approaching. That day, contextually, that day in the first century was the destruction of Jerusalem. As things got worse, God's instruction was for saints to come together so much the more. Why? Because there'd be peace among themselves. Oh, folks, it's wonderful. It's not just in heaven. It is available on earth among God's people. I hope this lesson has been thought-provoking. hope it's been edifying to you who are out there listening. I hope that if you're not there, you get there because it's a wonderful place to be. If you have some questions on this subject or other, give me a call. 915-525-5794. You can visit the website, www.wordsoftruth.net. You can contact me from there. I'd love to talk to you. Email is so impersonal. I'd love to just be able to talk to you, but if you'd rather start off that way, that's fine. We'd have great discussion. And if we're both of the same mind to be at peace, the scriptures will be the standard. We can study whatever it is you want to study, come to the right conclusions. Love to help you get to heaven. Love to be able to see you for all eternity. Thank you so much for listening. I will say goodbye to you at this time, and if all goes according to plan, I'll have the next podcast up on Sunday. Thank you. Goodbye.